Welcome back into the podcast. Today we have Danny Miranda, who is one of my absolute favorite podcasters, and I am motivated by his passion for podcasting. Danny, welcome to the show. Buster, thank you for having me. I'm really honored and grateful that you asked me to be on this, and I'm excited for whatever we're going to talk about today. Of course, man. We were just talking about this before, but you know the, how bright the future is of online podcasting. What got you so motivated about it? Well, what got me into it to start was I started having these incredible phone conversations with people on Twitter. So I put out on Twitter in July of 2020, who wants to talk on the phone? And then I had 20 phenomenal conversations with people. And I was like, I got to record this. And then I started saying to myself, what is a recorded conversation? Oh, that's just a podcast. And so from there, I just fell in love with the medium. And then I found ways to justify the ways in which the medium was going to grow. And I saw that I was on a trend that was just rising and rising every year. So that's kind of like my origin into podcasting. But for me, the reason why I think it's going to explode is like you look at the radio, the percentage of uh, Americans who listen to the radio every day over the age of 13 is 83% last year. But for podcast, that was only 18%. And it's like one's growing and the other's declining rapidly. So that's kind of why I'm like, all right, well, there's something to pay attention to here. And uh, I'm excited to be a part of that movement. I'm totally with you. I, I think uh, it's a way to scale value in conversation, right? Like we just had a great chat right before we came on. I sort of wish it was recorded, but yeah. um, you know, now we're here, we're talking about this stuff and you know, a bunch of people may learn something that could change their lives in 2023 and 2033 and 2053, you know, and that that's a beautiful thing, man. Um, but why do you think most people stop podcasting after three episodes? Like traditionally and statistically, most podcasts do not work. They do not make it. It is almost an impossible medium to succeed at. So while everything you just said is true, how do you why do you think that is also true? I think because it's really hard to keep going on something when you're not externally winning. Like even for me, I'm doing a hundred episodes and my hundred first episode, I'm saying to myself, okay, like where's the audience? Like, well, how come no one's really listening? Like I'm getting feedback here and there. And I had Gary Vaynerchuk on my show, episode 39, but it's not like that many people cared. So I could understand why people stop after three episodes or 20 because I was like, I had done a hundred and I was like, I don't know if this is for me. Um, but I think it's just a matter of asking yourself like, like why you're doing it for me. It was like, why am I doing it? Oh, I like having conversations with people. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> like, yeah, so. you're going to have those conversations regardless. So you might as well, you know, put it out there, especially with the belief of the industry growing. And, you know, the people who have done the best in it, take Joe Rogan, for example, right? He was doing it so long before anybody was podcasting. And that's why he can have, you know, a guest that most people don't know, and he can introduce them to everybody and people can enjoy it. I think it's also worth pointing out that if you think about the people who are the best, the best quote unquote podcasters in the world right now, those people didn't grow up wanting to be podcasters. There's an entire generation of people now who want to be podcasters. And 
those people haven't made their way through the ranks of life yet. It's like people grew up, they wanted to be radio stars and they became radio stars. People grew up, they wanted to be on TV. They became TV hosts. No one grew up. Very few people have grown up wanting to be podcasters. If so, it's only happened in the last 10 years. And the people who are currently at the top of the game didn't even know that that's what they wanted. So it's like, give it time. Like we're in the early innings of an industry getting started. And that to me is so exciting where it's like for a long time, even possibly today, Rogan doesn't even have podcaster in his bio, but that's how most of the world knows him. I think Tim Ferriss, the same. And you're just like, how is that possible? But it's possible because they didn't grow up wanting to be that thing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you look at Rogan's early career, it was all TV and, uh, you know, he had a, he had a couple different shows and then, you know, got into commentating pretty early, probably around the start of the podcast. I mean, the trajectory is just so fun to think about now because there's going to be five, 10, 15, there's the appetite, the potential appetite for there to be 20 Rogans. Yes. And I think the, as big of a podcasting fan, I am, you should check out David Senra. Have you heard of him from the I Founders no. podcast? He's like just as equally bullish on podcasting and he studies successful founders for a living. Like his job is to do Founders, the podcast. And every week he listens to or reads a, a biography or an autobiography. And he is looking at the start of different industries. And he's saying to everyone, yo, we are at the start of the podcasting industry. And this is what always happens at the start of an industry. People don't know. People don't have any idea for how big it's going to get. And people are so, everyone thinks they're late. And so he has seen that time and time again in different. And he's gone from Steve Jobs to Edwin Land to just incredible founders and people who are on the come up. And he just studies them. And so my point in all that is to say, like, podcasting is in that place, very likely. And most people in 2023 believe, like, it's too late for me to start. And it's like, what if the best podcast in the world in 2040 hasn't been created yet? And that's a probably, that's a very likely occurrence. Absolutely. A hundred percent. My prediction on podcasts is that the podcasters themselves become the biggest VCs, the biggest entrepreneurs, yeah. you know, some of the wealthiest people in the world. And I believe that because the dynamic of having an audience of a long form conversation uh, enables you to teach and talk about products and industries in a nuanced way that you can't do in any other medium. And there are going to be equity exchanges for access to that. Um, and that's basically how it's played out in private with Rogan, but sort of publicly as well. And I think that's going to play out very publicly with a lot of other people. I couldn't agree more. And what really hit home for me was John Shahidi of, are you familiar with John Shahidi of the Nelk Boys manager? Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So he was talking to Casey Adams on a podcast about how he believes that podcasts are like going to be social media profiles. That's how we're going to look at them. And everybody's going to have a podcast. And the biggest podcasters will have podcast networks. And you already see that with LeBron and KD creating their own podcast networks. I think Full Send has their own. Uh, Tiny Meat Gang has their own in sure. uh, Cody Co. and Noah. So that was an interesting prediction. Never thought about podcasts as social media profiles where everyone in the world has one. But 
that's pretty cool considering there's currently only 4 million podcasts out there and only 400,000 active ones, meaning they have posted in the last 90 days and they have more than 10 episodes. Interesting. That's a great yeah. statistic. Um, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really interesting to see play out. I feel like the biggest uh, distinction for you know podcasts is how are they able to turn their long form into medium short and micro you know Definitely. content and the value of a network if they can do that well i mean that's incredible and who better to do it than somebody who has a very successful podcast so that makes sense but definitely it's uh i imagine and i've never done this but you know, developing somebody else's podcast is like an angel investment. Most fail, but you're betting that one of them succeeds. I'm curious what the statistics through those podcast networks are in terms of have any reached maturity. Mm. Um, why, why do you think celebrity podcasts don't really work out? I don't know because I don't pay too much attention to celebrities in general, but I know like Logan Paul to me is a celebrity. And sure, his sure. podcast has turned out pretty well. Yeah, he's he's the best. He's the best. <laughs> I love that guy. Um, like, but you mean like Obama and Bruce Springsteen or yeah, like, stuff like that? I feel like the biggest news in podcasting is like these celebrity deals. When in reality, I think like mm -hmm. people like you and people like Logan and people like Nelk are actually the biggest deal because they're doing it because they love it. Yeah, I think the passion for it comes through and the excitement for the conversation comes through. And if you don't have that, and also like they're probably taught the celebrities have been taught to live in a TV world. So if I had to guess, they are basing their, the, what they're saying, how they're saying it in a articulated way that people can kind of tell is BS. And so because of that, people are tuning out and they're like, this isn't real. This isn't authentic. This isn't true. And the people who are here are only here because they want to grab some money, not here because they want to actually right. enjoy sure. the conversation. I don't know if that's true because I haven't listened to any, but that would be <laughs> well, I my, think that yeah. says it all right there. Yeah. I think that says it all. How do you go about your research? Where where do you like to look? Are there any like nooks and crannies of the internet you know, that you're looking for? So there... My research process is pretty simple. It's three different things. It's one, listening to at least one or two episodes of the guest that I'm about to have on before they come on. This gives me a sense for their speaking cadence, any interesting insights or nuggets that they haven't really mentioned elsewhere or where the host wants to get it along to the next point. So that's kind of something I think about. And then the other thing is like going deep on their Twitter or social media profile. A lot of the people I talk to are big on Twitter or have Twitter presences, meaning they've tweeted for a long time, their thoughts. So I go back on that. I use a, a plugin called Tweemex that's available on Chrome where you can just look at someone's most popular tweets. So that's super helpful. But then I, I also go to the third page or the seventh page of Google. And one interesting thing that I got from Sean Evans of Hot Ones is I look up the the person's name on Google with their hometown. I've heard the him reason, say that. Yeah. <laughs> you're tapped in, Buster. So the reason for that and the reason why he mentioned that is because the hometown newspaper is going to cover someone in a way more specific way than somebody who was at a national scale. And I thought that was an interesting insight. I did that literally yesterday. Unfortunately, the the article that I was trying to get was locked. So the St. Louis paper was locking their papers and I was trying to figure out ways to get in. But yeah, alas, that's a great tip from Sean Evans and 
those are kind of the main ways. And it's just like brute force. Like I'll just listen to a lot of episodes with somebody at 2x speed. Yeah. Try to get deep to their archives. Yeah. The, the beautiful thing there is too, if you really enjoy listening to the person and watching them, then it's not, it's not work. Like they're, you know, it just, uh, it comes so naturally and it's so much fun, you know, to listen. We were just talking about uh, Nemo beforehand, you know, like, come on, it's some of the best content in the world. Well, it's like now I get to, I'm interviewing Nemo for the second time in April and I get the chance and just hear him go through your episode and hear him go through other stuff. I'm like, this is my job. Like, this is what I get to do. Like, it seems like a, a cheat code to life. It's like, I would listen to this anyway. So, yeah. Well, that that's from, you know, I'm sure you've had a similar experience. I feel like the most successful people do what they would do if they didn't have to do anything, which is what they do. Yes. Know? Well, that's, that's what allows them to work so hard is the fact that they, it looks like hard work to other people. But to me, I'm like, what do you mean? I'm putting out three episodes a week. That's a lot to you. Like I'm just, I'm just following my own curiosities. And if I didn't have to produce these episodes, we could do five a week, you know? So it's like, right. I, I love doing it. Right. A hundred percent. Um, how do you think about, you know, not burning out because <laughs> yeah. even for things that like I love, yeah. there are definitely times where I love them less. Um, like for example, this happened, uh, you know, with basketball two years ago, I started this sport, uh, sports media company called hoops nation started at like freaking 14 years old, just grind all the way through high school, you know, built it up. And then by the time I was 20, I was like, I don't want to be posting, you know, sports yeah. content and basketball content. So I, I hired a team and it's been outsourced ever since. And ever since I stepped away, I've fallen back in love with it. And now I enjoy like hopping in on things and doing things. And, you know, I think about that experience in a lot of other industries. And I try to think about how to prevent that because it's a very long tail thing. Like it won't that I feel like that happens after like three to five years, you know, mm. not front ended like that. Um, so how do you think about, you know, preventing things like that? Yeah. Well, when did you, what, when you were 14 years old in what year? Uh, 2014, 2014. Okay. So in 2010, I started a Knicks blog, a New York Knicks blog. Amazing. And I went to media day in 2010 and people were like, what the hell? This kid is 15 years old. He should be in school. What's going on? I'm interviewing Amari Stoudemire sitting across the table from him and He's asking me like, why are you here? Like, what's going on? And I just had this blog and built it up. But by 2011, when the NBA lockout happened, I was just burnt out of it. I was like, yo, I can't do this anymore. Like, I just want to be a normal kid. Mm -hmm. And and I saw the path to being on ESPN or like doing journalism, sports journalism forever. But I didn't like feel called to do that in my heart. So for me, I, I know what you mean by burnout, and I, I definitely got burnt out of writing the Knicks blog, and I don't know. I think that you just have to constantly ask yourself and check in with yourself, like, am I enjoying what I'm doing? Is this giving me joy? Am I getting energy from it, even if it's draining? Like, when you sign up for doing your passion, you're probably going to work harder than you ever have before, like, because there's okay. a lot of people who probably have that similar passion. And so, you know... uh, I think that burning out is part of whatever you're doing. If you're 
if you're going to go so unbalanced in work and life, like I'm so unbalanced with podcasting, like it's all I think about. So I'm sure I'll, I'll push it too far, but I'll, then I'll know my limits and then I'll be like, all right, I can come back and come back to reality. So yeah, that's I how I think about it. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I definitely think the answer is burnout and then figure it out after that. Like yeah. you got to push yourself to find out, you know, your potential. And then, you know, you burn out, you burn out, but then it comes back. Like if you really love it, it always comes back to you, you know? Yeah. Did, did you feel that way when you, what, when did you start feeling it come back after your 20, when you were posting the sports content? Um, Probably after like a year of it being totally on autopilot, like all the gotcha. platforms, basically everything. Um, And then I was like, because I forget things that I do all the time. Yep, same. <laughs> and and it's like some days it's like, oh yeah, I do own that basketball media company. That's great. Like what? A, <laughs> that's awesome. And then I'll like text the team. <laughs> well, that speaks to how well you put systems in place. I mean, that reminds me of Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week, which everyone should check out if they're an entrepreneur. And I need to reread it myself. But it's like having the systems in place so that you can just be away and you could be on vacation and no one would know and no one would care. Like that's a whole new level of leverage. And so hats off to you for achieving that. Well, thanks, man. I, I definitely got lucky thanks to the team. So credit to them. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, the interesting thing about podcasting, and I'm curious your opinion, if you've like looked into the AI voice models and things like that, um, I sort of see a road to outsourcing your own podcast. Is that something that you've thought about? Yeah. So not yet. And I I know, I see what you're talking about as well, where it's like you could create your voice and you could just write things and it'll be in your voice. And I I don't know. The whole thing just makes me pause for a second. And I also think that we're, typically very poor predictors of where the world is going and how the technology will change. For example, like in 2000, like people could imagine that Twitter was going to exist. That wasn't an unimaginable way to think. But before Twitter in 2006, no one was like, all right, let's just have status updates be the thing that happened from Facebook. And so similarly with AI, I think that we just don't know how it will actually change everything. And so I'm just trying to remain open to all the possibilities, but not try to imagine the world that will happen before it actually does, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. I mean, with anything super powerful, there's going to be a billion opinions and a billion <laughs> bubbles, like, you know, with the dot com yeah. bubbles or NFT yeah. bubbles or whatever the heck it is. Right. Uh, but how it actually plays out is going to be nuanced and different. And even the result will probably be different to what, you know, people think at the time. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm very excited because a, a guy who I do a bunch of work with sent me a voice memo yesterday and I was, I was just, and I responded and then he was like, that wasn't me. And I was like, get the hell out of here. What do you mean it wasn't you? And he's like, he's like, here's the site, like the AI site that I recreated my voice with. And I was just like, what? What is it? Um, so that I I made I'm I'm in the process of 
cloning my own voice. Um, I feel like, and everybody's talking about how this is going to be big in content. I don't see it that way because there is an authenticity gap. Um, when I see things being written by ChatGPT on LinkedIn and Twitter, I look. I actually look at the person as like, oh, you know, you took you took the shortcut. I'm not interested in what you know. I'll ask ChatGPT myself. I don't need you to ask it for me. Um, yeah. yeah. In a world where AI becomes more and more prominent, we actually value the human being and the connection to the human being even more. We know that when we hit, or I know when I hit Joe Rogan's Spotify link and I'm listening to his podcast, it's actually him. That's what I'm believing and that's what I'm thinking. And even if there was an AI version of Joe Rogan and, and Steve Jobs talking, I am... I clicked it and I'm like, not as interested in it. Maybe because it's not good enough yet. But I think in a world where anyone can create anything, what we value actually is the connection to the human being. That's my hot take on the AI coming up yeah, I, into the world. I definitely think properly verified personalities will only continue to rise because it's going to be like you know the blockchain in the sense mm -hmm. that you want to verify that Joe Rogan is Joe Rogan. Uh, and I think that's going to go up in value. It's like when I, I saw the other day that uh, Instagram's given out verifications to everybody. I'm like, okay. Um, but, you know, the usernames now are going to be more valuable because that'll be the way to properly identify people. There's always going to be a way to, you know, figure out who is who is who and properly authenticate that. And people love authentic personalities. So I think well, that's, I'm with you. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting. Like, I wonder if people would have realized how much of a status symbol blue check marks would have been when they first got introduced into society. Like, oh, this is going to be something that people want and that people value. Like, I I wonder, like if who knew at what time, when people knew, obviously people realized it at different times that a blue check mark was a status symbol, but like, who was the first person to be like, yo, like that is cool or we should do that. This stuff fascinates me. Yeah, it was originally started to protect like super A-list celebrities from, yep. you know, like, I don't know if it was bots or like uh, people making fake accounts and saying that they were the real person, like Justin Bieber fan number one XO, you know, yeah. <laughs> there a lot of those back in the day. Have you seen Jack Butcher's new NFT project? Checks, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like just that dude is so tapped into culture and like has almost like become a part of it himself, similar to people of like, he, he gets where the world is going and he, he has a way of communicating in such an effortlessly effortless way that I'm enamored with. Totally. And he's been in crypto and, you know, that whole world for a long time. And I think that speaks to two his years. ability. <laughs> is it, is it only two years? It's, yeah, I think so. But it feels like a long time. I'm with you. I'm That's so with crazy. you. Like he is a, he is an NFT veteran. And I remember him stumbling upon NFTs on Twitter being like, I don't know what this is, but this seems like it's working. <laughs> I'm just like, what is That's going so on? This is so wild. It's cool to see which um, which personal brands, you know, and which uh, people who are doing different things, you know, it's just fun to watch the connections they make in real time. Um, I saw the... Uh, fella i think his, his name's caleb who does the new york uh or the rent videos like hey yes. how much is your rent 
And I saw him put out an interesting tweet, which was just like, look at old TV shows and remake them in the TikTok or online medium. I think that's genius. And I feel like a lot of people are doing that well without even realizing it. It's like I saw my friend Tejas, uh, who's pretty big on TikTok, talk about how when you are on, when you think about the th- the man on the street videos of 20 or 30 years ago and how that's being recreated on TikTok with people going up to people. You're just like, oh, there is an origin for all this stuff. And it's like, like, I think that's just like such a great nugget for creators to take away. It's just like, like, just think about the past and read old books and read and watch old movies and like see what actually worked and what hits you in this moment. Because if you can create that in the modern way, this is just a talk show, but we're doing it more authentically and more real. Like when I was listening to an episode of you last night, I listened to the Zoom recording while the you left the Zoom recording opening recording in the episode. And I'm like, I love that. It's authentic. It's real. It feels like, oh, I'm just going on a zoom call. And so I'm like, huh, there's something interesting about that. How it's just being all recreated. That's so funny. So you think the podcast medium is talk shows. That's your, is that what you think it is? Or do you think it's like Howard Stern radio? Like, what do you think podcasts are? Yeah, I think that's a good, I mean, talk shows plus radio. I mean, have you seen the video that I, that Joe Rogan of discovering podcasts? I I tweeted about it last week or two weeks ago. And it's like, He's like, we just need to do more of this. It's like 2007 and he's on Tom Green's show. And he's like, dude, this is this is the future. And I don't know. It's not. And Tom Green is discussing it. It's like Tom Green's like, this is not a talk show. This is not Internet. This is not radio. This is just a combination of it all. And of course, Rogan, it was like Rogan discovered the light bulb in that moment. That's what it seemed like. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Do you think Rogan's the most you know, uh, powerful person in media. Yes. And that's, he's the deepest connection. He's the deepest connection with the most amount of people. And that speaks to the value of podcasting, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's wide and it's also deep. And the problem is, and the advantage for him is like when people view you as a friend and want to spend an hour with you, they're, they're going to spend, hundred hours with you potentially like if if they listen to the first one and they like it and they listen to the second one and they like it you're they're in like you're in as a friend if you can get someone to listen to two or three episodes you're you're connected with them and this guy john feo i just had on had this really interesting insight about feo's number is what he calls it so dunbar's number is like in ancient human beings we we would have space for 150 people in our tribe and he says okay that's great but fio's number is in the current modern world you're going to have 150 people creators that you accept in your mind as friends and so everything you do should be to try to be someone's best friend and to try to be in that 150 and so if you think about it a lot of people are building out their 150 right now and they don't even realize it. And so that's not to say we can't update our 150 all the time and that in 2030, someone could have their 150 now. And then in 2030, someone could be like, oh, like I'll, I'll take this guy out and put this guy in. Like, but it's interesting way to think about. We have room for only 150 people in our head 
And if you think about that for creators, it creates a, a different mindset for creating. It's really interesting because we all follow like, you know, I don't know how many people I follow, like 2000 people on Instagram. <laughs> like, yeah. What the hell am I doing? Um, yeah. But yeah, 150. I don't know if that's a lot or a little sort of a interesting number to distinguish, because if you've ever talked to a room of 150 people, it's a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. But obviously in social media terms, it feels like there's nobody there. Well, it's so fascinating because it's like how many stories how many different people do you click their stories for? Is it over 150? Is it under 150? Is it around 150? Like, I'd be curious to like see my own stats on that. I don't know. Probably. It's probably around 100. Maybe it's, I feel like it's less than 150. Yeah, I feel like it's less as well. That's interesting. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch how uh, all these worlds play out. But podcasting, those who stay consistent, have fun. One thing that I loved hearing, I think it was uh, from the guy Nas Daily, and he said that uh, there are infinitely more stories in the world that haven't been told than there are people to tell them. Yes. Uh, and I love that because it's, if you follow like news or sports or things like that, it feels so congested it feels like everybody's talking about the same thing for a, a, the super bowl happens everybody's talking about the super bowl i don't need to hear you talk about the super bowl i want to hear a story about the basketball player or the football player in africa who trains on a field and dodges bullets every day there's a guy on instagram that i follow who does that like i want to hear his story you know so i i just loved that he said that because it struck a chord and I believe that to be very true. And also why I don't believe in the concept of competition in me in the medium of telling stories other than current news, which I think is bogus anyways, because it doesn't mean anything. Yes, absolutely. And that's why the ability to have a filter is so important. And the ability to be able to identify those stories is really where all the juice lies. It's like, your ability to type out prompts in chat GPT is great, but your ability to find somebody on the street and be like, that's a story that I want to tell. I mean, I remember in 2019 saying to myself, going to yoga for the first time. And this teacher was phenomenal. Like this woman was so, such an amazing human being, had so much empathy, love, and was like, so, so great. The things she would say would always make me think. And I remember thinking to myself, I wish I could tell the story her story to more people. And now I have a podcast and it's like, I should send an email to that woman and have her on my podcast. And I will now because of this conversation, but mm -hmm. it's like, you have to, you just, when you're in the business of telling stories, you just have to always be, your eyes always have to be out. You have to ask your Uber driver, what's the most interesting thing you did today? Or like, why did you decide to do this? And like, be on the lookout. I think that's a, a very useful practice because you never know where the best story is really going to come from. Speaking of Uber driver, on my way to LA last week, I had an Indian Uber driver and we were just talking about cricket. And then I was like, and I, I texted myself while we were having it. I'm like, I have to make a video on how cricket is bigger than baseball, basketball, and football combined. And I'm going to probably do that, you know, today or tomorrow or whatever. But, um, you know, it's, it's so true. And I feel like more people are also in the business of storytelling than realize everybody yes. in marketing, in creative, in content, in sports, in yes. 
basically every industry is actually storytelling when you boil it down. Dude, law, doctors, they're storytellers as well. As much as we would like to think like those people are above stories, it's like, how do you compel somebody to do something? You tell them a story about how it should impact them or how something that has happened to you has impacted you. And so if you want to convince anyone of anything, tell a story and get better at telling those stories to become more liked, more accepted, more appreciated by people. And one thing that I, I've i done in the past and want to continue to do in the future is every day, at the end of the day, write one story from something that happened. And so at the end of every day, I'm just like in my notes, okay, yesterday I went to a sauna and I had a great time and met a random girl. Okay. Like write that down. Like just write down random stories and you'll, you'll have a better time in life because not only will you remember them, but you'll be able to tell them better in the future. And I, it's a skill that I think I constantly want to get better and better at because I've seen how valuable it is. Yeah. Something I, I always ad admired about, you know, a few friends in particular was just how they're able to talk to anybody at any time. You know, like there are those people who will just talk to like the random girl, guy, grandfather in the coffee shop. Like I used to not be that guy at all, but slowly over time you can become that. And it's really fun. What changed? Just being around enough people that did it. And I was like, all right, you know, it's not, it's not so bad. You know, becoming more confident in yourself as you get older. Like, it's a very different dynamic at 17 with acne, you know, than at 22. Like, it, there are just things about growing up that make it easier as well. Um, so I think it's a few dynamics at play there. For me, it was doing the podcast. Made me more comfortable with myself because I was seeing myself in the rooms with all these people that I look up to and admire still. And I'm like, oh, I can ask them questions. And if I'm asking a billionaire a question and it's changing the way he thinks, like, why should I be uncomfortable in any situation? And so that the process of doing the podcast has made me more comfortable with myself, which has made me be able to talk to more people and anyone in any moment at any time. So that's, that's a, a really underrated aspect of podcasting. Yes. Very underrated. Yes. People don't think about that when thinking about doing a podcast. That's 100% right. And that's why I kept going because I realized that I was getting better at taking the thoughts that were in my head and bring them to reality. And that if you can get better at bringing the thoughts from your head into reality, you are get you are getting better at being a human being because that's what we're constantly doing. The thought in my head that is going to become a reality is like I'm going to drink this water right now. I just did that. But like sometimes and often what happens is we have this thought and we're like, nah, I don't want to drink the water right now. It's not an appropriate time. Or like, nah, this isn't like, it's not the, the right moment for me to do the thing that I'm thinking about. Following that intuition and following the thing that comes to mind isn't always what you should do 100% of the time. But if you can get better at that skill, life gets better. I promise you. That was a very sneaky way to get a drink of water in. <laughs> not my first rodeo i love it i love it well danny you're the best thank you so much for for coming on this is a great conversation uh i will link everywhere people can find you below and we'll see you guys next time peace